Hey everyone and welcome to the next episode of my podcast. Today we're going to be talking about habits and how you can build good habits and how you can break bad habits. I'm going to be talking about my own experience with building good habits up for myself, but I'm also going to be talking about the book Atomic Habits by James Clear because in my progress of, you know, trying to build good habits, trying to break bad habits, reading this book a couple of years ago, I think like a year or two ago, really helped me to understand the whole idea of habits and and the science behind it because honestly there is quite a simple formula you can use and you can apply that will help you very very easily build good habits and very easily break bad ones Um, because in the end it really often comes down to the systems you use and not so much to how much determination you have. Now don't get me wrong, being determined is important and you know having willpower is important and motivation and all that stuff but in the end when it comes to making real long-lasting changes and actual lifestyle changes things like motivation and willpower and dedication like those won't get you that far that's that's the problem i mean people think that you know those super productive people that get up at five in the morning and hit the gym and then go to work and (laughs) whatever they think that they have uh an abundance of motivation but the truth is they usually don't usually these people rely on something completely different than motivation because they know that motivation comes and goes and so with that knowledge they know that they need to have systems in place that whenever the motivation does fade and whenever they can't rely on that they will still hold themselves accountable in one way or another and that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today Now you might ask yourself, why do you even need habits? And what I just talked about is actually exactly why you need habits, you know? When you have a habit, then your body is used to doing it. It's not second-guessing anymore. It doesn't rely on emotional factors to decide whether or not to do it. It just does it because it's a habit. That's, you know, that's just what it is. And so usually the big difference between very successful people and people that feel like they could be way more successful than they are is that the successful people have managed to put very good and productive habits in place so that on days where they just don't have any motivation, the mere fact that those are their habits will keep them going because that's just what they do. They're not second guessing it. It's just their habit to go to the gym. It's their habit to read a book. It's their habit, you know, to do all these good things. So if we want to be really clear about that, in the end, it really just comes down to how good your habits are. If you have a lot of bad habits, it's going to take you a lot of motivation to fight against those habits every single day. But the problem is, as we just said earlier, I mean, motivation comes and goes it ebbs and flows and so if there's no motivation then it's going to be really difficult for you to resist the urge to give into those bad habits and that's not necessarily your fault because your body is just so used to doing that so your key focus should really just be on building good habits and at the same time you know breaking some bad habits in order to just have a whole 
arrangement of habits that you know will bring you further in life. And so no matter if you're motivated or not, if you're hitting a slump or not, at least you know your habits are not dragging you backwards. They're bringing you forward in some way or another. But yeah, so how do we do that? First, I just want to give you a super, super simple overview of the main idea of James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits. And so his blueprint can be summarized by the following. So to build a good habit, he says you need to do four things. You have to make it obvious, you have to make it attractive, you have to make it easy, and you have to make it satisfying. That's it. Those four points, if you do those, you can build a good habit really easily. Now, as you might be able to imagine, to break a bad habit, it's pretty similar. It's just exactly the opposite of what we just talked about. So to break a bad habit, the four points are make it invisible, make it unattractive, make it difficult, and make it unsatisfying. <laughs> All right, so now that I've just given you the main blueprint of his idea, I'm gonna go deeper into all of these points and explain to you exactly how to go about this so that you can apply these points to your own life. So let's start with the positives at first, how to build a good habit. <laughs> so one takeaway from the book Atomic Habits and one sentence that really, really struck me as super important was, many people think they lack motivation when what they really lack is clarity. I love that sentence because so often I see people, but also myself, I've seen it in the past, trying to start a new habit, but then just vaguely describing it, you know, like, I want to eat healthier, I want to work out more, I want to smoke less, I want to start meditating. You know, all these very vague goals of like having an idea of what you want to do, but not being clear about it at all. The problem is that these kinds of resolutions, they almost never work because there's nothing tangible about them. Your brain needs clarity in order to really stick to something. So you need to be super specific about what kind of habit you want to build and how often you want to do it, when you want to do it, how much of it you want to do, you know, you need to be very specific. So you could say, I will eat vegetables with every meal or I will go to the gym every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday after work. Or I will go on a walk every day before I have my coffee in the morning. You know, these types of goals are very tangible now because you know exactly when you're going to do it and what you're going to do. You're going to go to the gym Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, that's what you do. Before you have your coffee, you go on a walk. So you know in the morning when you wake up, before you go to the coffee maker, you're going on a walk. I mean, these are just a few examples. Of course, with whatever habits you want to build personally, it's going to be different and you can completely customize this to your own needs, of course. But just keep this one thing in mind. If you have tangible goals, they're going to be way easier to stick to than having some unspecific, vague goals. So now let's take a closer look at James Clear's theory. So the first point he had about building good habits was make it obvious. The thing is, visual cues are the greatest catalyst of our behavior, even if we're not consciously aware of that. So if you want to start a new habit, make the visual cues of that habit really obvious in your environment. So in simple terms, what I mean is, Let's say you want to eat more fruits. 
display your fruits in a bowl on your kitchen counter instead of having it like in the fridge or in a drawer somewhere in the back. Or let's say you want to work out every morning right after you wake up. Have your workout clothes and your shoes laying right next to your bed, ready, you know, as soon as you wake up you see them. Or for example, one of my habits was I wanted to drink more water. So instead of, you know, just going to the kitchen and getting a glass of water whenever I remembered it, which, you know, was never, I got a nice water bottle that I really liked and a big one too. And I fill it with water and I place it right next to me on my desk so that I look at it at least like five, six times an hour. And every time I look at it, I'm reminded of the fact like, oh, I should drink more water. These visual cues will make it so much easier to build a new habit. Now, another thing that he mentioned in his book was that it's way easier to build a new habit in a new environment. Of course, you can't really move just to <laughs> build a new good habit, of, um, obviously, but you can start reassigning purpose to different areas in your home. And James Clear said that it's really important to assign a single use to one place. So for example, try not to watch TV in your bedroom and don't work in your bedroom. Try to only use the bedroom for sleep because then you can way easier implement the habit of, you know, getting a good night's sleep because that's for your body. The cue is going to the bedroom. We're going to go to sleep. But if you work in the bedroom and you watch TV in the bedroom and you sleep in the bedroom, then your body is not going to automatically think, oh, it's 10 p.m. like time to go to sleep. It's gonna think, oh, we're gonna watch some TV or maybe we're gonna work. So if you can and if it's possible for you, try to reassign only single uses to places in your home. A place to sleep, a place to work, a place to watch TV, a place to eat. That's gonna make it way easier for you to build good habits. The second point to build a good habit was to make it attractive. And you can do that by using temptation building. That means linking your need with your want. So your need in this case is the habit you want to build. So let's say that's um, riding a stationary bike. And then the want is what you actually want to do. <laughs> so for example, that could be watching Netflix. <laughs> so to make this habit of riding the bike more attractive to you, you can decide, okay, I will only watch Netflix, the thing you really want to do, while being on the bike, the thing you want to follow through with, the habit you want to follow. And this will make it a lot more tempting to follow through with your habits. Of course, it's not always possible, especially when you have like, I don't know, let's say <laughs> you want to go to the gym. You can't always do the things you want at the same time as the things you need to do. But you could try, especially in the beginning, to link them up with things that are enjoyable. So for example, if you go to the gym, you get to go to Starbucks after, or if you do that, you get to do something else you want to do. Trying to link it with temptation in one way or another is going to make it easier to make that habit more attractive. You can also do the thing that motivates you right before. So you'll say, for example, okay, I'm going to have my coffee now and then I'm going to head to the gym, you know, having this motivation ritual. Now another thing that you should definitely remember is the culture determines which habits are attractive to us. In other words, we imitate the habits of the people that are close to us, so friends, family, society, and then also celebrities and stuff like that. So if you want to make a habit more attractive to you, 
try to surround yourself with people that follow through with that habit. So that could be joining a sports class or a gym, that could be following people on social media that you find inspiring, that could be, you know, finding a group of friends that will build you up instead of, you know, furthering that like need to follow through with bad habits. So surrounding yourself with people who motivate you will make it so much easier for you to follow through with a good habit. Now, the third point was make it easy. <laughs> and I think that's pretty obvious. The easier a habit is to stick to, the more likely you are to follow through with it and to do it. <laughs> and a sentence in the book that I really liked was, the most effective form of learning is practice, not planning. So essentially, you can plan all you want. You can plan your entire gym schedule. I'm sorry, I keep mentioning the gym. I'm just using that as my main example here for the good habit building. Um, you could plan your entire gym schedule for the next four months, but that's not gonna do anything in building that habit unless you actually take action. I mean, sure, I said you have to be clear about what you wanna do and when you wanna do it, but the thing is you should also not get stuck in that planning stage. So I know I mentioned be clear and you know don't be too vague but also don't get stuck you know planning out every tiny detail of that habit you want to do <laughs> you know curating the perfect plan but then never actually getting around to following through with it now i'm getting to one of the most important points in the book and something that has personally helped me build a lot of good habits in the past and it's the fact that the amount of time that you practice a habit is not as important as the number of times you repeat something to achieve automaticity. So automaticity is basically what a habit is, you know, repeating it automatically. And so what I like to follow is the two minute rule. In the beginning, if you're starting out with a new habit, I know at first you're gonna have all that motivation and you wanna, you know, meditate for an hour and go to the gym every day for two hours, you know, all that stuff. But because you're linked to motivation, that might burn out in the first three days and then you're going to be stuck going back to your old habits. So what really helps is following the two minute rule. Do your habits for only two minutes a day at first to really shape your identity. Meditate for two minutes gonna walk for two minutes, read for two minutes, plank <laughs> or work out for two minutes. It's not a lot. <laughs> Obviously, it's probably not what your goal is. But by starting with those two minutes, you're getting your brain used to this new identity. All of a sudden, you are this person who meditates every day. Who cares if it's only two minutes? You meditate every day. You work out every day. <laughs> you read every day. It doesn't matter if that's two minutes or if that's an hour, your brain will start to believe that that is your new identity. You're a person who does this every single day, you know? And once this identity is established, you can obviously start increasing the time you spend on the habit. But as soon as your brain really believes that that's who you are, it's gonna be so much easier. Now, last but not least, to build a good habit, you have to make it satisfying. You have to do this until the habit is automated, until you do it without thinking. And the way to do this is by using small positive reinforcements. So, I mean, I mentioned it earlier, but for example, every time you go to the gym, 
you get to go to Starbucks afterwards, or you get to watch your favorite show on Netflix that evening. You know, just these small little reinforcements that teach your brain, ooh, I want to do that habit because then we get to do XYZ. Another thing that's really, really effective with that is habit tracking. It's just the act of crossing something off <laughs> a list is really motivating for us. It's super satisfying to have that visual cue of having done something. And the best part about it is that habit trackers are also a great way for you to track evidence of your progress, you know, because you'll be able to see like, oh, wow, I went to the gym this many times this month or I meditated this many times. So that is obviously really, really motivating. And now last but not least, what I want to mention about building a good habit is that you should focus on the so-called non-scale victories. So the non-scale victories, that term comes from weight loss originally, but it can be applied to anything. But just, you know, as the example of weight loss, don't focus just on what the scale is saying. Like if you're trying to lose weight, don't measure your entire progress just on those numbers because those numbers can plateau and then your motivation will plateau as well. So instead, try to focus on non-scale things, like how much stronger you're getting, how much energy you have during the day, how much better you feel, how much more confident you feel. And as I said, this concept can be applied to anything, meditation as well, like don't focus on how many minutes you were able to meditate every day, or I don't know if you managed to really not think about something for a little bit during a meditation, and instead try to focus on those non-scale victories like wow today I felt so much calmer than I usually do when we had this argument I was able to stay in the moment and not get really triggered you know these things these so-called non-scale victories are what will keep you motivated because when those numbers start to plateau which they always will at some point there's always going to be some plateaus in any kind of progress when those numbers start to plateau you will still be motivated because you have those other victories and th these other measurements of progress that you can look to. Alright, <laughs> so now that we've talked all in detail about how to build a good habit, let's talk about how to break a bad habit, shall we? So, as I mentioned earlier, in order to break a bad habit, you just inverse the rules that we just talked about. <laughs> so, first rule, make it invisible. Out of sight, out of mind. You know, this is really, really useful for bad habits. The less temptation that you have around you, the easier it will be to avoid something. You know, people who have certain good habits or don't follow through with bad habits, they don't necessarily have more willpower than other people. They just know not to put themselves in temptation. And that was actually a super interesting point in the book as well. So people tend to have the exact same amount of self-control, whether they're successful or not. The only difference is that the people with quote-unquote high self-control just spend less time in tempting situations. It is way easier to avoid something than to resist it. You know, self-control is a very short-term solution. Anybody, and even the most successful people will lose motivation eventually, so making something invisible just increases your chances of breaking the habit. So that might be putting the candy in the back drawer or, you know, 
instead of having it in the middle of the table, putting it away. Just don't have it in your immediate field of vision and try to make it invisible. The second point is make it unattractive. So to break a bad habit, you can try to make it as unattractive to you as possible. So associate your bad habits with negative feelings and your good habits with positive feelings. So let's take the bad habit of biting your nails, for example. Whenever the urge hits you to bite, and I know this is difficult because a lot of the times it's subconscious and you don't even think about doing it, but whenever the urge hits you and you're consciously aware of it, try to think about how self-conscious the biting makes you when you're out and about and you don't want to show your hands or you're comparing your nails to your friend's nails and just feeling self-conscious about it. As soon as you keep associating that feeling of feeling self-conscious with the bad habit, you're going to start making these connections in your brain, which will eventually lead down the road to where you're not craving it as much anymore. And the third point is to make it difficult. You know, when you change your environment, you can change your life. You can try to have as little friction as possible for good habits and more friction for bad ones. So let's go back to the snacking example. Don't keep unhealthy snacks around the house, but instead buy fresh fruits and veggies. And then when you feel like snacking, it will be a lot more difficult to actually go out to the store and get some snacks than to actually reach for what's there already. Now, of course, so much more goes into this and sometimes it's a lot better to listen to your cravings instead of avoiding them forever. But that's a whole nother story. But making it more difficult to access certain things or to do certain things will actually make it so much easier for you to break bad habits. Because as I mentioned with biting your nails, so much of it happens subconsciously and you don't even realize. So let's say you have a social media addiction. If you simply move your favorite social media app to a different place in your phone, it will be a little bit like a tiny bit more difficult for you to access that app because your brain has to consciously think, oh, like, where did I put that app again? And that little tiny step in making it more difficult can already be enough to actually change your habits and to make you aware like, oh, I'm trying to open this app right now. Why am I doing that? I'm not even like in the mood to scroll on social media right now or I don't even have time right now. Why am I doing this? And so just making it a tiny bit more difficult can have a huge impact. And last but not least, make it unsatisfying. So the problem with bad habits are they're usually satisfying on some level and they're meeting some kind of need. You know, smoking, you're probably love having a break and you love the little rush it gives you biting your nails might be a way for you to cope with anxiety you know just stuff like that and so it's really difficult sometimes to find a way to make it truly unsatisfying but one way to do it is by having an accountability partner so that's a person that will check in with you how things are going every once in a while and having that is really good because nothing is worse than having to own up to your accountability partner and be like, yeah, like, I didn't stop biting my nails. And yeah, so obviously that's not satisfying at all. So this can just be a little, a little more of a push towards breaking the habit. And another idea 
relating to this that was mentioned in James Clear's book actually was habit contracts. So you can set up a contract with yourself or someone else where every time you do a bad habit, something you don't like will be the consequence. Like, for example, paying five bucks. So whenever someone catches you biting your nails, you have to pay five bucks into a jar or whatever. And that helps you to make that habit really unsatisfying because you'll obviously start linking that bad habit with that outcome which you obviously don't want nobody wants to pay <laughs> it doesn't have to be money related either you can you know you can find your own stuff but these habit contracts which you can either be strict with yourself if you can do it or you have a partner who helps you with that these can really help you stay accountable now, implementing all of these tools has really helped me personally build a lot of good habits and break a lot of bad ones. Um, if you're interested, you can definitely read the book. Again, Atomic Habits by James Clear. It really breaks it down very simply. I've read a lot of books in the past about the same topic and, you know, a lot of the books say pretty much the same thing. You just have to find one book that really resonates with you or maybe this podcast did it for you you know where it really just clicks in your mind and then as soon as you start applying these things and actually using these things in your daily life you'll immediately see a difference so yeah i hope that after today's episode you know a little bit better how to build good habits how to break bad habits um, maybe you're a little motivated now to get started <laughs> and to choose something to build. One thing that I've also noticed, which I don't think was in the book, for me personally, it was it's a lot easier to build good habits than it is to break bad ones. And so what I like to do is instead of focusing on all the stuff I shouldn't be doing anymore, I just add more and more and more stuff that I should be doing and that is good for me. And then over time, that will just start replacing the bad habits. So if you're having a really difficult time with breaking a bad habit, maybe focus on a good habit to build instead. Because, yeah, that replacement process will just, yeah, it will be a lot easier than just focusing on what you're not allowed to do or what you can't do. Um, but yeah, so that's pretty much all I have to say about this topic for today. I hope you got some value from it. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, let me know. You can leave a review or, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, you can also always send me requests for future episodes. If there are any topics that you would like me to talk about, you can do that on Instagram. It's linked below. But yeah. Um, all right. <laughs> so that's it for today's episode. And I'll see you again soon.